friends, welcome to the Sunday Sermon segment of We Need God. Please listen as Father Carrozza offers his homily for today, which was recorded live in St. Anne's Parish. Back in 2011, a man caused a great hullabaloo, a man by the name of Harold Camping, because he came along and told everybody he had read the scriptures carefully, and he figured out by adding all these different things and looking at secret codes and everything in the Bible when Jesus was returning in glory. And he forecast the end of the world to take place on May 21st of the year 2011, which ironically happened to be the night of our very first variety show here at St. Anne's. And some of the teenagers who were active made some jokes about the whole thing. But a lot of people were taking him seriously. And I tried to listen to the guy and figure out why. And he had a very bland, very blob uh, expression and presentation of himself. He wasn't by any means a powerful, dynamic speaker. But people were listening to him. Even some good, faithful Catholics were taken up by this guy and convinced that he was right. And I remember one night I was in the rectory and some friends were over at Midland Pizzeria and they called me and said, Father, can you come over for a moment here? We have this friend of ours that you know, is caught up in this Harold Camping guy. Can you please come and talk some sense into him? So I did go over and talked with him and it was pointless. He had his mind set on May 21st that Harold Camping had it right. The world was going to come to an end. And the only thing that convinced him that Harold Camping was wrong was when May 22nd came. And so after that, the newspapers, of course, newspapers had been covering this guy too. Yeah, he made a big stink about it. And they were asking him what happens that his prediction didn't come true. And he said, well, I may have made a few mathematical, mathematical errors in there. But looking at it, I realize I am not wrong that the final judgment of the world will take place in October. And of course, October 2011 came and went and no judgment, no return of Jesus in glory. And by that point, people went by the wayside. Tom, uh, Harold Camping eventually suffered a massive stroke and died, and he was quickly forgotten. But the news did follow up with people afterwards. I remember the story they gave about one man on Staten Island who had spent his life savings, over $140,000, on billboards and placards and posters and everything to get people ready to warn them, Jesus is returning in glory. Get ready now. The time is very short. And when the time came and went, they interviewed him, and he says, I don't understand what happened. It was so crystal clear in the Bible. I wanted to go up to that guy and say, hello, McFly, you know, show me where it's crystal clear in the Bible. You know, if it were crystal clear, everybody would know it. Everyone would believe it. What is, in fact, crystal clear in the Bible? What we hear Jesus say in the gospel reading today. See that you, do not, that you are not deceived, for many will come in my name saying, I am he, and the time has come. Do not follow them. That is crystal clear in the Bible. Unfortunately, the past couple of hundred years, Christians have gotten all caught up in this frenzy about trying to figure out when Jesus is coming in glory, and they're convinced that there's secret codes hidden in the Bible that if you add this to that and all that, you'll figure it out. And Jesus clearly says, no, it's wrong. Anybody who claims that is a fraud. The first thing you know is they're wrong. Don't follow them. But when I was a teenager, it was... Um, 
what's his name, Hal Lindsey with the late great planet Earth, and there were movies about it. And people were all convinced in the 1980s Jesus was returning in glory. The Jehovah's Witnesses have forecasted about eight times now. And of course, they've been wrong every time. In fact, that's something you can do if you want to get rid of those pesky Jehovah's Witnesses that come to the door. Just ask them, oh, I have a question for you. Can you please tell me when you're now forecasting the end of the world? Because you forecast it eight times now, and you've been wrong every time. So since you've been wrong on that, how do I know that anything you tell me is going to be the truth? You have lost all your credibility in my eyes. Good day, and then close the door. That will get rid of them very quickly. (coughs) And there have been so many other people besides Harold Camping and Jehovah's Witnesses that have come along trying to claim that they figured out when Jesus is returning in glory. And of course, they're all wrong. But why do people worry so much about that? Why do they put so much stock in people trying to figure out when Jesus is going to return? Well, first of all, because they know that that day can be a wonderful day or a terrible day. Jesus tells us about it in the scriptures in many different places that ultimately he will return in glory and he will stand as judge of the living and the dead. And there's no getting away from it. Maybe if we knew when Jesus was returning in glory, somebody might say, well, I can be prepared for that day. I'll go to confession beforehand and I'll be ready. Okay, but let's imagine even in the most bizarre circumstances that somebody figured out it was going to be next Wednesday and they say, great. So on Tuesday night, I'm going to find a priest and go to confession. And Tuesday morning, they're walking out in the street and hit by a car and killed. Well, It didn't matter when Jesus returned in glory to them because before the judgment at the end of time is our particular judgment. When we die, each and every one of us stands before the Lord Jesus in judgment. And as we know, it's written over and over again in in the scriptures that we will all receive our recompense from God, good or bad. Now, the good news, of course, remember, is Jesus wants us to go to heaven. That's the whole purpose of his death and resurrection. So he says, follow me, do what I tell you, and you have nothing to worry about. He doesn't want us living in fear. He says, no, just do what I tell you, and you will be found on that day. Whether you know when you're going to die or if we should live until Jesus returns in glory, we have nothing to worry about. And if we have sinned, bring it to confession right away. Tell the Lord we're sorry. Receive his loving forgiveness, and we're golden. There's nothing we have to worry about. What is the problem? The problem is some people try to look for ways to get around the Lord. They figure somehow they don't have to follow what Jesus says, and they'll still enter into heaven. And when that happens, they're greatly deceiving themselves. Because, yes, the Lord wants us all to enter heaven, and he reaches out to us in mercy every day of our lives, in forgiveness with overflowing compassion from his heart for us to receive him now, So that when we die and stand before him, that's the day when he has to meet us with justice. And God is totally merciful, but he is also completely just. And we demand that. We know very well if somebody has harmed us or we see terrorists or people who are doing such horrible things to hurt people, we demand. We always do not comfort ourselves saying, well, that person ultimately is going to have to die and stand before the Lord Jesus in judgment. And there will be literally hell to pay on that day because that person may be completely separated from him and condemned. And we expect it. Imagine if we should find out that Adolf Hitler and the terrorists from 9-11, when they died, Jesus said, oh, I don't care. That's all right. No, I know. I just love you, and I just want you with me, so forget about it. Don't worry about if you did anything wrong. I love you. I'll forget about it. We would stop and say, wait a minute. Where's justice? 
So we demand justice on that day. However, that justice is not for a select few, but every single one of us. Every one of us, whether people believe in Jesus, whether they even know his name, every human being who has ever existed, when we die, we stand in particular judgment before Jesus to receive our reward or our punishment, depending on what we have done in this life. And there's no getting away from it, and it's not easier simply because we don't live it out or we don't believe in it. It will happen. And that reminds us the stakes are high because we want to go to heaven. I don't think there's anybody here today who would say, oh, I don't want to go to heaven. Unfortunately, sometimes we think that we can just do whatever we want. And when we die, Jesus is just going to let us into heaven. And we forget that if we're not found worthy of heaven, either there's purgatory beforehand or if we're totally separated from God, well, eternal condemnation. And it may sound strong and it may sound harsh, but that's the reality. In other words, if condemnation were not a possibility, why would Jesus have endured the death on the cross he did to save us from it if, it, if, not, if nobody had the possibility of being condemned? And so the Lord reaches out to us in his mercy each and every day. And he says, I've made your salvation possible by my death and resurrection, and now I make it available to you. All you have to do is be baptized, worship me properly, follow everything I tell you to do, receive the Lord faithfully, receive me faithfully in Holy Communion every Sunday so that you are with me on the cross and in my resurrection and your sins are forgiven over and over again. Do that and you will be fine. Unfortunately, sometimes lots of people give them excuse, themselves excuses why they don't think they have to follow Jesus and why what he tells us he didn't really mean, that he wasn't serious about that. I was born during the Second Vatican Council, and so I rely on people who were alive before the, that time. So those of you who are older than I am who maybe remember uh, uh, the church before the Second Vatican Council, I'm told by people that everything back then was fire and brimstone and gloom, doom, and despair. And preaching that back then was all about, if you don't change this, you're going to go to hell and all that. And they said it sounded pretty negative and uh, pretty damning. And I don't know if it's true because I wasn't alive then. Maybe it was true. And if so, and if it was too much, well, after the council, we went to the other extreme. And now we've become too mushy. We've become too rainbows and balloon and pablum and saying, oh, it doesn't matter. Jesus just loves you. Love one another. You don't have to worry about following the Lord. Just say, tell each other you love each other and mean well in your heart and you'll go to heaven. That's not what Jesus said in the scriptures. People who have a Jesus like that have made up their own Jesus. And it's not what he reveals to us. Yes, he wants us to enter his kingdom. But as we hear today in our gospel reading, that there is a journey that you and I have to walk. And sometimes that road will be difficult and people will not like us for it. And they will even hate us. As Jesus says, you will be hated by all on account of me. Some of you will be handed over to people for judgment, betrayed by even family members. Yet not a hair of your heads will be lost. Even those who die, I will save your soul. So if we remain faithful to the Lord, he will bring us into his kingdom. But today, people don't think that's real. Oh, Jesus didn't really mean all that stuff, they say. Well, he's really just a nice guy. So even though the Lord commands things of us, we feel, I don't have to do it. I can just ignore it, and I'm going to go to heaven. Big mistake. Big mistake. Because the Lord wants us to go to heaven, but we have to do what he told us to do. And there's no getting around it. And if we discover we've sinned, we go to confession, fair enough. We've done what 
he wants us to do. But if we think we can just live ignoring the Lord and everything's going to be fine and we're just going to go to heaven, well, we're deceiving ourselves because that is not the reality of what Jesus revealed. Sadly, we know today 75% of Catholics don't go to church on Sunday. 75% of Catholics have decided that what the Lord said in the third commandment doesn't apply to them. And you hear people, even just last night, I was with friends, and one of them was telling me about her teenage daughter is in a rebellion now, and she says, I don't have to go to church to pray. I can pray in my room. Well, first, yeah, it's true. You can pray in your room. I pray in my room all the time. But my second question is, how many people who say, I don't need to go to church, I can always just pray in my room, actually do pray in their room? Do they sit down with the Bible and say, all right, I'm going to take an hour now today and pray to the Lord? No, it's just an excuse they use. And even if they do pray in their room, yeah, I don't need to go to church to pray, but I do need to go to church to worship God. I can't worship him through the rituals that Jesus established for us by which his suffering, death, and resurrection are made present to us. We can't do that praying in our room. That's something we only can do here at Mass and gathering with the rest of our church community to support each other and build each other up as this one body of Christ so that we can go out and continue the work that Jesus began in us uh, at his uh, ascension and that we take our place and do that. And most importantly, we cannot receive the Eucharist for the forgiveness of our sins sitting in our room. That can only happen here at church. And some people wonder, well, why do I have to go to church? Well, the first and foundational reason is because Jesus commands it. It is the third commandment. And those of you who I taught in fifth grade know I said, you know, and then when Moses went up the mountain, God didn't give him the 10 suggestions, the 10 recommendations, or the 10 helpful hints. He gave them the 10 commandments. And the third commandment he gave us was, remember the Lord's day to keep it holy, to make it a day of rest and come and worship me. And yet today, many Catholics think, I don't have to do that. Oh, well, they dismiss themselves, excuse themselves. Why? Oh, I'm busy. Oh, I'm too tired. Oh, I have a softball game. Oh, I don't get into that. Oh, it doesn't matter to me. I don't believe you have to do that. And all the different excuses people give themselves as to why they think they don't have to go to church on Sunday. And yet the reality is Jesus commands it of us. And when we die, he will ask us whether or not we followed what he told us to do. And I'm sure the first thing he's going to say is, I commanded you to worship me every Sunday. Did you do it? Oh, well, no. Why not? Oh, I didn't get into it. I didn't get much out of it. I figured that was old church or you know, I couldn't be bothered with it. Okay, so you didn't worship me. I also told you there were certain things you had to believe and do and carry out in your life. Did you do them? Well, no. Well, why not? Well, because I didn't think it was important. You know, it just didn't matter to me. Okay, there were also certain things I told you are sinful and you must avoid. And you cannot do those things. Did you do them anyway? Well, yeah. Why? Well, because everybody's doing it. I figured it really doesn't matter. Well, you know what? Now it does matter. So Jesus is going to say, all right, you refuse to worship me. You refuse to do what I told you to do. You did things I forbade you to do. And now you want me to let you into heaven? Why should I let you into heaven? And what's the answer going to be? There's no way we can spin it. There's no way we can make it sound good and make puppy eyes at Jesus and say, oh, come on, Jesus, please. I meant well. No, there's no spin. There's no lies against Christ. And he promises to be just and his justice is true justice.
And so anybody who is saved, we are saved because of the love of Jesus and his grace. And anyone who is condemned, it is his own fault for not accepting what Jesus offers to us. And so we can boil it down to one thing foundational above everything else. If we want to go to heaven, we have to be going to church every Sunday. Every Sunday. Not most Sundays, not only Sundays when I don't have a soccer game or when I'm not too tired or when we want to go to the beach early or when I'm too busy or that or I just don't feel like it. Every Sunday, unless there is a reason why, according to church law, we are excused from that obligation, severe weather, an emergency, real illness when we are bedridden. Other than that, sometimes some of us will say, well, yeah, I come to church most Sundays, but if I'm busy, if I have work to do, well, I just won't come to Mass on Sunday. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Every Sunday. It is the third commandment, not the third suggestion. And so we can boil it down very easily to no church on Sunday, no heaven. It's as simple as that. No church on Sunday, no heaven or at least not without uh, apologizing beforehand or an awful lot of purgatory afterwards. It may sound harsh, and some people would say, well, I I can't accept that. You know, they'll go to denominations of Christianity and other places where they won't say that, but they won't be saying the truth. And if people do that, they'll be going and listening to people who don't tell them what Jesus, in fact, has truly and clearly taught us. And the Lord will say, I'm sorry, but you didn't listen to the truth. You found people who told you what you wanted to believe and not what I told you is true. So, my brothers and sisters, my friends, there is a big responsibility upon all of our uh, shoulders. At our baptism, again at our confirmation, we promise to be soldiers of Christ, to take our place now and continue, allow him to continue through us the salvation he won by his death and resurrection. And my dear friends here who are preparing for confirmation, today you are embracing that. You are saying, yes, I want to be part of Christ I believe in the church he created, and I want to take my place in that church. I promise to be faithful and worship every Sunday, to carry out everything Jesus teaches, and to keep myself from everything that he says is sinful. And if I discover I have made a mistake, I will come to confession frequently, and I will ask the Lord for his forgiveness. And if we do that, then you're golden. Then the day we die, we stand before the Lord, and we have nothing whatsoever to fear. But is it only because of that day that we have to live in fear here and now? Of course not. The Lord Jesus says, do not live in fear, little flock. Over 360 times, he says, don't be afraid. He doesn't want us living in fear every day. Yes, the stakes are high, but he reaches out to us and helps us follow him every day. And it does, I don't want to make it sound like we're going to be miserable following every day. Yeah, sometimes there will be trials and there will be times where it'll be strong. For, you know, it'll take a lot of strength for us to stand up before other people and defend Christ. But it's not going to be every day. It's not going to be all those moments. And in the process of following Jesus, what do you get out of it now? You get character. You get dignity. You get self-respect, and you get the joy that only comes from knowing you are close to Christ, that even with your sins and faults that you have to uh, confess over and over again, nevertheless, you know I'm trying to do my best to follow the Lord, and the Lord is pleased with me. I'm trying to be part of the answer to the world's problems. I'm not part of 
of more of what's causing the world's problems. And you will wake up every morning knowing there's a reason why you are alive on the face of the earth. I am here because Jesus is continuing his salvation through me. And he has chosen me to be his warrior, somebody through whom he will try to bring other people into glory with him. And I know if I remain faithful to him, he will remain faithful to me and call me into the glory of his kingdom. I know that as a priest. When I first told people that when I was young in college and told people I realized God was calling me to be a priest, a lot of them said, oh, look at all the things you have to give up to be a priest. Well, anything I had to sacrifice in order to follow the Lord pales in comparison to all the joys he has given me over 29 and a half years. They pale in comparison. And I would make those sacrifices a hundred times over again and again because I have known a joy that it gives me a happiness and a reason to exist each and every day of my life. But you don't have to be a priest to do that. Every single one of you, all you need to do is understand why Jesus put you here on this earth at this time and ask him, Lord, help me to be your ambassador. Help me to be your warrior. That's what I'm promising to be at my confirmation. Help me to do that. And if you do that, I guarantee you, I promise you, you will have joy, you will have character, you have, will have self-respect, you will have respect of other decent people who will see you for whom you are, and you will be a happy person who has more joy than all the people who are thrilled with all the things they think in the world are bringing them happiness. You will have Christ, the greatest joy of all. You will know his peace each and every day to make difficult days easier to bear, and his presence at the joyful times to make them a hundred times greater because they are experienced in him. And most importantly, when at long last the day comes that you leave this earth, you will be found perfectly ready to enter his kingdom. And when you stand before him in judgment, you will hear him say to you, well done, brave and faithful servant. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So that is ultimately the question before you today. Do you want to follow Christ or not? If you are ready to follow Christ, then I ask you to stand now with me and the whole community and publicly profess your faith. Thank you for listening to this week's homily by Father Carosa. If you enjoyed this homily, please pass the word on to your friends and invite them to listen. For more materials from Father Carosa, please visit www.fathercarosa.com.